two village idiots with a love-hate relationship. See, you got fat. So you still look like a 15-year-old girl, but not hot. Who can't stop arguing over Oklahoma sports. You know what, man? Why am I still talking to you? Come on, we were doing good there, man. It's the Just Okay Sports Podcast. Well, Sooner Nation, Thunder Nation, we are back. This is the Just Okay. That is Just Oklahoma Sports Podcast. I'm one of your village idiots, Daryl. I'm here with my brother, Jared. Um, and we are going to be talking a lot of Sooner football today, and we do that a lot anyway, Sooner sports in general. And so, again, if you end up liking the podcast, please like, subscribe, leave a five-star review, and help us get the word out about a podcast that will make you feel better about yourself. So now that we're done with all that, Jared, how are we, man, on this great Labor Day Monday? Uh, Labor Day has been laborful for me. I've been trying to get ready. I'm actually getting ready for my trip back to Oklahoma. So yes. uh, I'm, I'm getting like trying to get all I was actually out working in the yard when you text me and said we were going to pot a little early or whatever. Um, so I was trying to ran in like basically rinsed off real quick and then uh, changed and got on here. Um, nice. But yeah, doing laundry, all that sort of stuff. So it's like a very I mean, it's not a bad day. It's chill, but you know, I mean, it's like it's one of those busy, but like, yep, I mean, productive days. I it's guess the I know, uh, so. it's the off day that really becomes the day to get the things done that you can't get done when you're not an off day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's gonna be the next couple of days are gonna be really wild. Um, Mike said I got stuff even going tomorrow, and then like I said Wednesday, I'm flying like pretty much well, like a three quarters of the day or whatever. So, um. But yeah, no, I'm good. I mean, it's, it was we're coming off a win. We're coming off a win. I mean, I don't know that we expected to not win, but still, a win's a win. So I mean, uh, as, both as, of us, as, uh, as Dom Toretto would say, a win is a win. A win is a win, and especially after this weekend for some teams, which we'll get into a little bit later as well. But um, look, you you picked them to cover by a large margin, and I was kind of like, yeah, I you want to you want to talk about the picks a little bit real quick? We just want to go over that um, real quick because let, I'm feeling go good. Ahead. I'm go, feeling great. Go right ahead. So, right yeah, I picked. Uh, I just want to point out, I picked them to cover, and I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. I was wrong. I was not positive enough. I should have given them more points because I said I believe <laughs> sixty six to it was like sixty six to seven or something like that. Something um, like that, yeah. And they covered by twice, uh, precisely, I think. Um, uh-huh. And so, uh, yeah, I got that going for me. I also picked Florida State to beat LSU. Uh, what was our other? What was our other game? Do we pick uh, uh, Utah, Florida? But I don't Utah. remember who you picked. Did you pick Utah, Utah straight up even Utah. without Cam Rising? Because I, I, I know like, both of us were hedging said, a little picked, bit with Cam Rising. I said no. I said I picked Utah because I said I think they like their backup quarterback, uh, and I said uh, their defense is legit and their defense looked even better than I probably thought they would have looked. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm just saying I, three for three. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good about myself. I'm feeling good about my picks. That's that's fair. Uh, I picked a cover, so I won that part, but my score was way less uh, than what it was as well. I picked them in the 50s. I also picked them to give up, I believe, 13, 14 points. Uh, I picked Utah not to win without Cam Rising. Well, that was no problem. And um, I also believe I picked LSU because I thought, man, an FSU team that barely beat Oklahoma in a bowl game, I just don't know. But, wow, uh, FSU looked real good. Real, real yeah. good. Uh, they looked a little. They looked a little shaky. Now. They looked a little shaky to start, but 
they got together, came out in the second half, and it looked like a different team in the second half. And completely out physical LSU is what was crazy. But the other out physically, though, was 73 to 0 uh, of OU against Arkansas State. And again, like as we break this down, okay, we both picked them to win by more than 30 something points. Okay. This is not some, you know, in, you know, end all be all. This isn't a defining moment for the program. And yet at the same time, it was a very, very good showing. Um, you can't ask for much more than a shutout and basically scoring at will throughout the entire game. And when you yep. put your 87 of your rostered players on the field and still pitch a shutout and continue to score at will, that's a very, very good day for a program. I mean, that's that's all you can say. Everyone executing at a very high level. Jared, I'll start with you. Kind of let's start with, as always, we start with negatives here. Was there anything that bothered you about the game? Uh, man, there's there's a couple of things. There's a couple of things that we discussed a little before, so I'm not going to go into those. I'm going to let you go on your tirade. Um, <laughs> oh, and Jared is frozen. That's crazy. Oh, your face looks amazing, though. I absolutely uh, we do still love see it. though. One thing that is it in my back. Yeah, you're you're back now, but you were absolutely gone and completely frozen on the yeah, video, and I'm leaving internet... all of it there for you. That's amazing. Okay. My internet is besides at random times that it's going to leave the chat. Okay, so <laughs> um, sorry about that. So we are um, you get to see my face in motion again. You're welcome. But um, yeah, like you, the inside, the interior of the field, like the inside, the middle. We saw those, like we always saw those, like slant routes that just kind of came open. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw some of that. Um, I think there was like two or three, three plays where they kind of exploited that. Um, you know, and then like there was even, um, which is a little bit, I mean, it kind of depends on the coverage, right? But it's like a lot of times it's, you're, you're having to have a linebacker that's kind of having to drop to give a little bit of, uh, coverage until somebody can help or whatever. And, you know, there was one play that's like, I almost don't really blame. There was a long, it was one of the long, I think it may have been their longest play of the day where Canick, um lined up yep. like you know at the line of scrimmage and he was forced to drop and you know it's like as a, as as athletic as Canick is you know that's a lot to ask of a linebacker to to drop into coverage and cover a guy that's going to be on a dead sprint right off the jump you know sure. um so but outside of that i mean like the defense i thought looked pretty good um you know i don't think we saw like honestly i don't think we saw a lot like it didn't feel like they were Doing a ton of, I haven't gone back and watched the film all the way through, so um, this could be wrong. But I was like, I didn't feel like I saw like a lot of stunting or super complicated defense on um, Saturday. It's pretty vanilla, so but it looked good. So, um, but yeah, I think like the other negative is probably, um, I guess I'll highlight it a little bit is uh, just the offensive line felt inconsistent across the board a little bit. Um, I know you're going to go into a little bit more in depth on that. Um, it just felt, it, it felt like if we could get, we, we had, it's like we had two offensive lines. We had one that was able to go blow people off the ball and pancake everybody and be in the second level before the running back had the ball. And then we had the one that was getting knocked back 10 yards. Um, mm-hmm. and it, there was not a whole lot of in between. I didn't feel like so, but I know you're going to go into that, but that's kind of like my negatives probably I would say is on offense, the offensive line defense is covering the middle of the field on slants and things like that. Yeah, I think that's a I think those are both fair things to to criticize. They did play a lot of basic zones and so 
you know, especially on things like RPO, it wasn't really hard to know where those those holes were going to be. Um, and even like the Canic play that you're talking about, it was the biggest play of the day. Um, you know, I want to criticize Canic because he didn't quite get deep enough. He was only like six yards deep when, you know, when that ball goes out and you would hope for him to be deeper. But honestly, the guy that that plays that that play worse is Billy Bowman, right? right. Who's supposed to be coming over and bracketing the receiver. And when you see the receiver catch the ball, you see that Bowman's come down into the box, even with the receiver instead of over the top of the receiver. Right. And so if he's over the top, that play gets negated for like 10 well, yards instead and, of 35. And, well, and in coach speak, they both own all the blame. If you own part of the blame, you own all the blame with your teammate. Right. So right. I think they yeah. both were, they both played that poorly. So, yeah. So, I mean, but again, the, let's not pretend like in this day and age of offense that you're not going to have some plays come yeah. available right in, in the midst of the day. And even still after that held them after a big play to kicking or at least attempting a field goal that, that goes bad. Right. So, um, and then, yeah. And I would say negatively for me, I would say the, the two things that probably were the most glaring to me of things that I want to see how the year continues to go on there were still some problems with the offensive line. Now, everybody's going to say, well, you know, we didn't give up a sack and, you know, 73 and yada, yada. And and look, I'm not saying they played horrible, but ask yourself some questions. Like, here's one. How many gaping holes did you see this line open up on the day? Right? I mean, like, we ran the ball fine, right? But you didn't see any holes where you went, that's going to the house, and you played an, a defensive line that averaged like 282. And let's just be real, it's just not talented. So no talent, no size. You have size and talent. And the only run I can remember that had a huge hole was one for Tally Walker, who he, he gained about 12 yards on. And then there was one for Barnes, where a guy basically got his toe from the side. And if he doesn't, Barnes probably takes it to the house, right? And those those that's it. Like after that, it was little three and four yard. Chunk play. So, like, look, when I when I see that and I go, okay, insert K-State, that's two yards a run, right? Like, that's not going to be three and four. That's going to be two yards a run. So, that's a problem, right? right? <clears throat> um, you did see offensive linemen being knocked completely off their feet. I mean, I, I highlighted it in the Discord. I showed a video. Guy getting completely decleated, knocked backwards. You also saw guys just not finishing. Um, now, there were some fin- – Rame had an incredible finish in the end zone. I mean, the you could tell the play was the guy in front of you maul him. He mauled him, and he drove him straight in the ground, and it was beautiful, right? Guyton was doing that a lot on the day. Um, he, he was pancaking a lot of guys. Caden Green pancaked a lot of guys. But I also saw, like, there was, like, one player in particular, and I'm not even going to name him to just not start a fight, but there were four plays out of the first 25 where there's a double team, right? They're double teaming a guy out. They do it well. The whistle has not been blown, and this particular player just stops. Just turns around and starts doing this. What's what's going on over here? And I'm going like, what, like, what are we doing? Like, if that's your job is to block that guy, block that dude into the freaking ground and let him know this is coming all day long. And instead, we blocked for about a second and a half and the mentality you could tell was the back should be through by now. Let me just see what else is happening. And it's like that. You can't do that. Like finish a play. It's like just finish the play. 
it it's it does feel like um I did see like the positive side. I guess I'll give a because uh, it's like the offensive line is always I feel like going to be a little bit of um positive and negative, right? Especially early in the season. But I did feel like I, we had a little bit more of that lunch pail mentality overall. Yes. No, I'm not saying everybody, but it was more there. I saw some plays like I like I even texted in our group that after the play, I saw them get in people's faces and being like, you're going to get like, you're going to get, go get knocked down again. You know, it's like, dude, that's the, like, you know, I don't want to be like, you know, too much clearly, but it's like, you want some of that attitude in your guys to be like, it's kind of like, you know, it's funny because I just saw somebody tweet this a couple days ago. I think it was maybe on Saturday. That was like Gerald McCoy when he got in trouble because one of the coaches was like, why do you keep helping them up? When he got to the NFL, one of the coaches was like, why do you keep helping up the, the old lineman whenever you're after the play, and he's like, cause I'm just going to put them back down on their butt again. Yeah. You know, he's like, he didn't care. Like that was just his mentality was I'm going to put you on your butt and I'm going to talk trash and everything, but I'll, I'll pick you up, but I'll put you back down. Um, but anyways, that's something we haven't seen on the offensive line in a long time. So I did see some of that. So I agree, but it, yeah. it does feel like we need a little bit of that. Like you said, you, you want guys that are just going to finish the guys to the ground. Like there was my, one of my favorite O-linemen, for, like I said, from the 2017 team was Drew Samia because he was that guy that was always just burying his dude in the ground. And there was times where you were like, okay, you're flirting with with a little too much, but that's what you have to have. You have to have that mean yes. edge where you're getting that that close to too much. Yeah, exactly. And the, and the one guy you can see playing that way throughout the entire game is Tyler Guyton, right? Like yeah. he, him and maybe Caden Green to me were the most – like truly wanting to go out and assert their, you know, their dominance there. So I am like, I don't think this offensive line is going to be bad. I thought overall they played really well. But when you watch those little moments against a team as inferior as this, I want to project in my mind when we play the elite teams, when you do play Texas, when you do play K-State, how does that look? That's how I try to frame it in in that mindset. And I'm even trying, and we're going to ask this question a little bit, SEC. This was an SEC D line. How would that look? How do we feel about it now? Right. And so right. I, I'm asking that. My my number two thing, and this one's hard because I'm going to put it in my positive as well. So I'm, but I still want to see more separation for the wide receivers. Um, I thought they had a great day overall. I thought their catching was so much better. I thought their hands were way better but you still didn't see a lot of separation from the DBs within the game. And I I didn't want to see that. I'd say those are kind of my two glaring weaknesses um, on the day for me. So those would be my, my two negatives. So now going positive, what were your biggest positive takeaways from the day after a 73 0 win? Well, I mean, I think that, uh, well, for one, Dylan Gabriel looked way better than he did last year. Way better than last year. Um, you know, I there was the one throw, which you know, really, I started thinking about. There was the one throw, the D ball that ended up getting called pass interference because the guy just literally tackled. Uh, I think it was Andrew, yeah, yeah, it's Andrew, Andrew yeah. Anthony, yeah, yeah. I can't remember if it was him or uh, Farouk or whoever, but anyway, um, he just if it wasn't for that, it was like dude, that was a that was underthrown by probably 10, 15 yards. I mean, it was really oh, bad, yeah. but it was. But of course, I was looking and I was like, okay, that was late in the game for him. That was like a 60, 70 yard throw. That was a long throw and it was a hundred and something degrees outside. The dude was probably just cooked, you know? Um, <laughs> so, um, but like I said, again, overall looked great. I don't, his QBR, I think was like, I thought I saw somebody on, like, I think ESPN said he had like the number five or six QBR and like, like something crazy. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, he only had throw. three incompletions, no intercept. I mean, it was dumb. It was yeah. dumb. 
Um, so yeah, Gabriel looked good again, inferior opponent. We said we were saying the same things about him last year against inferior opponents. So I think, you know, this coming week will be a better test for him, but, um, but yeah, so, uh, Gabriel looked good. And then on defense, um, I'm going to go probably like the, the D line, I'm going to say the D line. Um, and I don't think they played Mm. perfect. And it was really hard to tell with how much they were having to rotate because again, there was a lot of rotation. Uh, yeah. You know, I think partially due to the heat, partially to get some guys experience, you know, to do some experimentation in a game setting, a lot of things. But the thing that I liked is there was physicality and this kind of goes for the whole defense. But I saw guys that were really trying to maul people. Um, there was the play by. Was that Co- no, it wasn't Kobe Gentry. It was Gentry where Gentry just absolutely blew up a receiver. They did a little bubble pass yeah. and yeah. Gentry just absolutely. And I was like, dude, I haven't seen that since when. Yeah. Right. Um, and so there was a lot of physicality, a lot of, like I said, again, bring your blunch pail and that's what you're going to need in the SEC. I don't know. It's hard to say because, um, you know, like I said, Arkansas state, isn't a good, isn't a good measuring stick for how good is that team going to be? Are they going to be able to push around a team like, you know, um, Texas or whoever, um, or anybody in the SEC for that matter. But I just like that we saw them be physical. I like to see them have high motor. Mm-hmm. And again, I didn't really feel like there was that I, I kept getting lost as who was on the field because like there didn't seem to be a huge drop off. Like we kind of talked about before in the preview of that depth, you know, competitive depth really mm-hmm. was kind of showing. I feel like because it's like I didn't I mean, again, it's an inferior opponent, so it's gonna be harder to see. But I didn't see like, you know, Bothroyd go off and somebody come on and then you're like, oh man, we suck now or you know whatever. Yeah. Like it's like there was a lot of depth and a lot of that. So I really like the D lines play in, in those regards. So how about you? What's sure. your what's your positives? Uh, I mean, I gotta echo and just come alongside. So I'll get two more on. But like DG man hit a slant route in stride. Uh, hit another over the middle throw in stride. I mean, his worst over the middle throw on the whole day was the deep ball to Anthony that you were just alluding to and. Dude, that ball was weird. It was like he tried to throw it as high as he could throw it. For I don't know if it slipped. I don't know if he's trying to work on kind of that bucket deep ball. Um, but also people in the, that were in the stadium, I know several said, like Anthony was open like a second and a half into that route. And they said, look, if he would just thrown it like over the middle, as soon as he put his back foot in the ground, it's a touchdown. Um, and instead he waited and waited and waited and waited and then launched it, you know, Um But again, that may have been like, we're up by 50. Like, I just want to try this throw and I'm going to see what happens. Um, You know, but again, the other thing I would say is in those middle throws. And again, this is my opinion. I'm no quarterback guru. But if you go back and watch, what did I say last year? Whenever he tried to throw a 90 mile an hour fastball is when he threw those balls six feet over their heads. Right. Like it was always an act. He did not do that yesterday on every little crossing route that he threw. He just stepped in and he threw it. Did it have a ton of zip on it? No, but it was accurate and it was where it needed to be and allowed you to move the chains, right? And that's what you need. That's what it needs to look like. That's what it needs to be. Uh, My other two, I got to start here, man. Gavin Freeman, the hype is real. The hype is real. Like, and I know that we saw the play last year and all, but I mean, good Lord, man. I mean, even the muffed punt, right? Like, totally whiffs it it goes all the way back to like the six yard line he turns it into like a still a 25 yard gain from the six yard line i mean that dude ball player a ball player like this is not 
this is not, oh, we're giving lots of kudos because he's a little short white walk-on guy. Like he's a, like his name is everything. G Freaky is the real deal. He is a freak of nature athletically. Super fun. Going to be a guy that makes a lot of plays. Um, I think that that's there. Um, probably the other big positive for me is probably the secondary. Um, across the board. I mean, think about your big hits in the game. Gentry, uh, Pearson annihilating the quarterback who was pretending like he was still in bounds and said, if you're going to pretend like you're in bounds and I'm going to kill you on the sideline and did. Yeah. Uh, he had another big hit the very next play to cut down the running back in the backfield. Uh, Peyton Bowen had two big hits. Like yep. one didn't take the guy to the ground, but it's what stood the guy up and allowed Kanai Walker to strip the ball um, and get the fumble recover. I mean, he, I mean, they just look good and physically good Lord, man. Gentry, Peyton, it's weird Peyton. to say. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go, you, you get your point out. Get your point out. Well, Pearson looked, I thought he looked lean. Yeah. In this secondary, like at times, like depending mm-hmm. on who was out there, I was like, Reggie Pearson looks small. Like, what's happening right now? Well, it's even, I was going to say, like, there was a play where Bowen hit somebody and I had to like, re- like replay it because I was like, what linebacker was over there? Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like he, like the, he looks so much bigger than we're used to seeing even at linebacker. Like he's so much more filled out and just broad. Um, and we haven't seen that at OU in a, a decade, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, it was good. It, it, like I said, Bowen's going to be, that kid could be really, really special. Um, so, I mean, I know that's, that's a lot to say after one game, but it's like, he made a lot of headsy plays is what I would say. Like, there's not even like, Oh, we just out physical. There was plays where he was actually making very smart plays. Um, and seems to have got a g- good grasp for as early on as he is in his career. Yeah. Um, you know, and then there were some interesting things in the game. I think, uh, just from a observation standpoint, I thought Canick looked more comfortable, but there's still work to be mm-hmm. done there. Um, I do, I don't want to sit here and say he had a bad game, but he didn't have a good game either. Um, but he looked more comfortable. Danny Stutzman looked in control of the defense. I thought that Harrington, yep. like, again, I didn't think he did anything that just flashed on the day, but he looked good, looked in position. Um, Andrell Anthony lived up to the billing. Um, I thought our running back depth looked up to the billing. Blake Smith, man, I, is this guy a game changer? No, but he's going to be a bigger factor, I think, than we realize. And I think he's going to be a bigger contributor than we gave him credit. I think we really undervalued him. Um, and for good kinda, reason. You kind of you kind of scoffed at him in the preview. You kind of scoffed at it a little bit. I mean, a little, yeah. I mean, like. Please never do that voice sh- again ever in your life. <laughs> but he 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 played well. He had a good catch, run up the sideline. Um, yeah. You know, so, I mean, I thought that those things were really, really good. And I like that we played a lot of players. I think another guy that that flashed, but you can see that they're raw and they still need work is PJ. Um, there was a couple plays where you were like, holy cow. And then there were some others. It was like, oh, he just got, you know, that wasn't great. Like he's got some work still to do. So he just is going to need snaps uh, to continue to get better and to continue to work his way through it. So, um yeah, but I mean, all in all, a can, good can, day. Can just, and as far, oh yeah, go ahead. I was just say the other guy that I want to touch on is that like I didn't even realize like how small he looked on the field. Uh, Cade McIntyre, yeah, like, he looks like uh, he looks lean 
like on the on the I mean it's it's I guess it's I mean he already we already knew he was gonna be a little bit smaller, but it's like dude, he looks like a tall receiver, like a lanky receiver, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So um yes. but anyways, but he did have a play which surprised me a little bit that like Stogner they didn't put Stogner in, you know, like he didn't really have he didn't have a catch on the day. So yeah, and, and you almost wonder if that's by design, right? Like let's hold what we want to use him and how we want to use him. But it, I thought it was also very clear that they were really trying to do some things that forced Stogner to block more. Like, for instance, we were talking about this after the game that I didn't see live. I did. I mean, the pace was so fast, but they actually did an unbalanced line. So they actually moved Rouse over to right tackle with Guyton playing inside of him. And then um, uh, Matower playing inside of that. And Raymond then on the other side was Bird. And Austin Stogner. So essentially playing Stogner as the the left tackle, right, right. in the play. Um, and it felt like that they were just almost using this game for him as we're just going to make you block the whole time just to work well, he on that so that we can do some things. There was one that I did see live where he, I don't even remember what, you know, it turned into a decent game, but there was one where they did him as a pulling, you know, like basically they yes. pulled him across the whole formation. He actually lit his dude up. Um, so I, I think, you know, I mean, I'm interested to see what he's going to do. Cause we heard, we saw clips, they posted clips of him catching some crazy balls in camp and, uh, you know, he was, he was making some plays. So I'm interested to see, like I said, they're going to play it close to the best, I think, because, yeah. you know, it's kind of the same thing. They're going to, we're going to see a little bit more this week, um, because it's SMU, it's going to be a, a, a tougher opponent and, but it's like, they're going to hold much. as much as they can back until the Red River game. I right. mean, that's just fact. But that's they, the same every year. It, it was interesting the things they did show, like that unbalanced line. Um, the other thing right. that I did not realize until listening to another podcast, thank you, Gabe Eichard, because you could see the whole field. I was not there. But they actually had, a, a, I think, a series or so where they actually had Desan and Harrington on the field at the same time. And I find that fascinating. Like the way you can move those pieces around and what you could do there could be really fun. Um, I thought Kip Lewis, man, your guy. Your guy definitely flashed and definitely showed. I thought Kobe did too, though. Um, yeah. Well, and that, that's I, I was shocked that he got in so late in the game and yeah. yet did nothing but find the football and looked. I thought he looked really light on his feet. And I know that's kind of been the complaint with Kobe is that he's not swift footed. But I saw two things from him. I thought he looked really quick. Again, a lesser opponent, but two. Every time he was in on a tackle, his person did not go forward. You know, they say about running backs, they're always falling forward. Kobe is always falling forward. <laughs> like whoever yeah. he hits, he's the one falling forward and knocking them back. So um, I thought that those guys showed out really well, too. Yeah, I mean, there's that's the thing is it's it's I, I do want to like preface everything that we just said, or I guess I'm just on preface since it's after. But again, mm-hmm. a very inferior opponent. It's, um, you know, we're, we need to temper expectations somewhat. We're not going to play. Yes. I know the big stat that that Venables touted after the game was 87 players played. Um, you're not going to do that against probably even SMU. You're not going to do that against Texas or K-State right. or whoever. Like, we're not going to see this all season as far as that amount of people playing. So they're going to start dialing people in. But, um, yeah, like I said, at the same time, it's like I was very impressed. Um, so, yeah. And, and real quick, I know because on Twitter, um, I should have put this in the notes. I know the big discussion on Twitter was we had no pass rush um, throughout the entire game. Um, and look, I can 
I charted every play all the way through into halfway through the third quarter. And I would just simply say this, there's actually about seven plays where there actually is what, what would be uh, scored a pressure on the quarterback because they were in the vicinity. Um, but I, I can only maybe find three plays in all of those where they kind of play actioned and actually did some form of a drop back pass. Um, and either he's getting rid of the ball immediately after that, um, or there's a guy there. There's one like where Bothroyd, it looks like actually hits his arm. There's another where he gets hit very hard as soon as he lets the ball go. Um, you did have a sack on one of those as well. So they, I mean, they did nothing but bubble screens, very quick hitch routes, things like that, that, I mean, I think I timed several of them of their pass plays and it was under two seconds before the ball was out of your, I mean, you're not getting to the quarterback in under two seconds. So I don't think you need to take um, a lot from that yet. SMU will be the one where we're going to find out if we have a pass rush or not. I think that that's where we're going to see if that is there. So a couple notes real quick um, is injuries. Uh, our Mason Thomas, in case you didn't notice, did not play at all. And apparently is still dealing with an ankle injury. There's some saying that he could have played, but we also need to remember he was in a boot almost two weeks ago in camp. Um, Mm -hmm. that had been mentioned, noted, reported all the things. So the fact that they're still not playing him, uh, makes me wonder what's happening there. Saw Chuck was held out. If you go back and watch the game, he is in uniform. Um, he is out there, but apparently it's a hamstring, which is also probably, or what I've heard was his issue last year as well. Um, and with guys as twitchy as he is, they're going to take their time. I don't think you're going to see Sawchuck for a while. I think you just need to be prepared. I think, for I think maybe you'll, I, Texas. I think you, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think you're going to see him maybe for big 12 play when it starts, but mm-hmm. you know, even then maybe not it, hamstrings are so. That, yeah. You know, that's the thing is they're so weird. Sometimes guys can heal from them and be ready in two weeks, and sometimes it takes two two months for the, somebody to heal from one fully. So, Correct. Uh, and then two more really quick. Uh, Stoops, obviously, in a sling during the game. We mm-hmm. have heard from our good friend over at Bud, Barry, Bob, and Beer. Uh, Steven uh, has mentioned that he actually saw him around Norman later on in the weekend, and he did not have his sling on. Um, there's been several saying that he could have gone back in the game. Uh, the way I, it was, I heard it said, uh, on, uh, on, a, a discussion was if it was OU Texas or a playoff game or bit, he would have come back in and played in the game. Desan McCullough went out with an ankle injury rolled up on by Danny Stutzman. I would think that Desan McCullough is out for a couple weeks. Um, and again, I don't have an inside information, but it did look like it was way high up on his ankle where it got folded up on. If it is a high ankle sprain, obviously that's a that's a pain tolerance issue. But why do you want to play yeah, him you don't and wanna... potentially linger that on? Right? Yeah, I just exactly. I don't see it. And Cade McIntyre, I've also heard may have a fractured hand potentially um, at the end of the game. I did not see him come out, uh, but Sooner Scoop was uh, was talking about that. Um, that he might have a fractured hand and could be out for a little bit, which is a bummer. He had a, a pretty good little play. Um, yep. And showed some ability and some speed. And so, yeah. So, Jared, in a quick wrap-up, and we kind of mentioned this earlier, so let me ask this. What did you see in that game that makes you uh, feel like, or, or an area that you saw in that game that is still very much not SEC-ready? And what did you see in the game that makes you feel like it could be SEC-ready <laughs> by the time we get to the SEC? 
Um, I think the offensive line as a whole, like as a unit, right? I think there's a couple of guys ready or not ready, not ready. Sorry. Um, so there's a couple of guys on that unit that I think could be SEC ready, right? But those guys are probably going to be gone for one. Um, but yeah, just as like a whole, I don't feel like it was, um, I, you know, I don't feel like they're SEC ready, just to be honest. I don't think across the board they have the physicality. And, I again, I don't want to start an argument with somebody and, you know, somebody's dark J-Rods want to fire Bean Bow. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and it's it's one of those things that I think um, I think some of that's going to be getting – I think you're still a little bit – offensive line, for one, is typically not a position that you get a kid come in as a freshman and then just immediately has a massive impact. Like, that happens on occasion – Right, but for the right. most part, it's like you just don't see guys really show out as a lineman until they're a sophomore, junior. Right, a lot of times. So let's hold. Up. Let's hold the phone and see who. Do what? Oh, you you glitched what? out for a second again. Oh. Um, but you're back. Yeah, that's sorry. Internet, great. Um. So uh, the one I would say is SEC ready is this is probably going to be a cheap cheap pick, but is QB play like Jackson Arnold looked phenomenal. What didn't he though? <laughs> I mean, the dude, the dude, and you know, here's here, I want to give a little bit of brilliance. I want to give a shout out to maybe Venables, maybe to Levy, whoever made this decision, uh, the staff as a whole. They actually let him go out and he actually got like they made him do a, a QB draw and he ran up and and laid the lumber on somebody. And I was like. That's brilliant in the sense of you're getting him in his first college game. You're going against an inferior opponent. You're not worried about some 300-pound guy from Alabama just crushing him, right, or whatever. Mm -hmm. You can get him in a game and let him get contact and get him to get that shake that nerves off of being a college football player. And I just thought that that was like a little brilliant play that they had in there for him, and he executed perfectly. I think he had had a rushing touchdown. Um, So, I mean, the dude looked looked good he looked real yeah. good so um yeah it, it's one of those things that i'm not did, let me preface this by saying i don't want dg to go down or to go <laughs> out but if dg was to go down i'm not scared to death that we're going to lose 49 nothing to no. texas right so no we will not no i 100 percent agree with you matter of fact i was actually uh listening uh before i got on here i've been trying to prep for our uh SMU preview pod. And so I was watching a uh, a pod that was previewing the OU SMU game already. And the OU person on the pod said, uh, I think D-line coaches are not going to want to knock DG out of the game because they might actually fear what's behind him. And that's no knock on Dylan Gabriel. It's just, he's got that to him. And look, Got a free play early to go deep, launched it. And as Gabe Eichert said on the radio broadcast, that might have been the most sexy incompletion I've ever seen in my life. And then settled in and did not miss another pass after that. Goes 10 for 10 the rest of the way, which, I mean, that said a lot about him. To miss a big throw like that and then to come back and just laser in was great. Um, so anyways, SEC not ready. Um, I'm going to say linebackers. How about that? Okay. I'm going to say the linebackers. Um, you know, y- you really can tell, even just watching that LSU game, as much as they got beat and drummed, you just see their linebackers compared to ours. Like Kip Lewis, 
finding the ball everywhere. But when you see Kip Lewis physically and you see LSU guys, it's just like, dude, it's not, it ain't the same, man. It just, it ain't the same. And even Canik does not look the same. Like we just, we've got a ways to go there. And even just from a mental capacity, like I said, there were some, I don't know if bus is the right word, but again, two linebackers in the same gap. I mean, just little things like that. We've got a ways to go on. And so, and I still would also say the same. I'm very nervous about the offensive line going in there. Um, as far as SEC ready, God, I have to say, I agree. The The quarterback's not going to be the problem. <laughs> we are fine there. Um, I would say the other thing though, that I believe looks like that next year it would be SEC ready is the secondary. I mean, when you think about the potential, like let's just say that even like Bowman decides to leave, I believe your starting safeties next year are going to be RSJ and it's going to be uh, Peyton Bowen. Like, mm-hmm. think about those guys. Gentry Williams on one side, either Kanai Walker apparently or another guy that played a lot that we haven't mentioned, Jacoby Johnson played early and often in this game and he looks physically ready to go. Let me, you let me look ask you across this. that secondary. Let me ask you this. Do you think I don't think Bowen will necessarily start unless there's an injury, but do you think that he gets significant playing time even when we get into the heart of the schedule? Do you think he's gonna be like yes. that 50-50 kind of guy? I I do. I was shocked they waited as long as they did to put him in the game. But then once they did, he played a lot. And again, just trying to make sure that he's comfortable and in a situation where he can be confident and build and he was everywhere. And so, yes, I think with Bowen. You're going to just continue. And I think RSJ, I think when RSJ gets clear, which I think will be this week, I think you're going to see him get in the game. And I think as you Mm. get closer and closer to Texas, he's going to play more and more and more. Now, Pearson played well. I thought Mm. he played well. But I just don't think you can deny that RSJ, from what we heard about camp and summer and spring, was looking fantastic until the injury. And he just looks different. Even than Key. Key looks amazing. But... RSJ looks different, and well, I, I was think they're going to play I, that guy a lot. If Bowen, if Bowen is able to play at that level and like as fundamentally sound and everything as he as he did uh, against Arkansas yeah. State, it's like I, how do you keep him off the field? He's a more physically imposing and athletic version of everybody else that's at that position right now. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I don't disagree, but the secondary. What Jay Valai and Brandon Hall have done with that secondary, uh, what Coach Schmidt has done with that secondary. Some of those guys are Gentry's a holdover, right? RSJ's a holdover, and they look different and they're playing different. Um, but that that secondary is SEC ready. Uh, I believe that that will play with anybody in that conference. So, all right, moving on really quickly, just a couple of notes recruiting wise, because there were some visitors this weekend that I think are worth noting. Uh, let's actually start with Daniel Okoye because obviously D-line recruiting is something that everyone is still high on. And, oh, by the way, we are four days away from Mr. Nigel Smith announcing his commitment, which would be a huge get. But I think Daniel Okoye being on campus, it seems to have gone really well. He showed a picture of an amazing steak and lobster tail that they gave him for dinner. So that could not have uh, swayed him not to come here, right? Like that's got to yeah. win some points. Um, and so I think that's a big one and would be a huge get for OU. Then you have Daniel Ak- okay. Akinakunmi. I don't know how to say it. I, I don't know. I have no idea. But came all the way over from the England area. 
uh, flew across the pond, if you will, and is a part of the NFL Youth Academy um, over in England. Looks the part physically. Um, seems to have had a great visit. I do think he will take some other visits, so I don't expect a commitment. But it does seem like OU is well out in front on this one. Uh, but I also think, look, man, he's got a chance to come over and visit a ton of places in the U.S. for free. You take advantage of that, right? Like yeah. you don't you don't bypass that for a commitment. So I think he'll do that before he commits. The other one that is interesting to me, and I want to make this clear, I still believe that AM holds a big lead here. But you never, ever, ever discount an unofficial visit. Okay, you do not discount unofficial visits. When someone drives on their own dime, gives hotel on their own dime, does everything on their own dime to come, in one Terry Bussey, five-star athlete, who I believe that they would take as a receiver, and then he gets to watch Jackson Arnold go 10 for 10 and look smooth doing it. Actually, by the way, you are actually inaccurate because ESPN has him listed as 11 for 11, just throwing it out there. My God, I'm sorry. So 11 yeah. for 11. Uh, yeah. That can't hurt your recruitment, right? Like, and again, there has to be interest. There has to be interest. If you, like, he could have gone to AM this weekend. He didn't. He's here. Like, so again, I, I still would say this is 85, 90% in AM lean, but you never discount these kinds of, I mean, Let's also well, be and we, we, had, and we, we talk about it last year with with um um oh my gosh, why is he slipping my name? The Evans kid who went to Georgia. Why is he took slipping a random my name? unofficial? Huh? He said, Why is he slipping my name? You're just an idiot. I just wanted to highlight it. Sorry, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh he takes an unofficial and all of a sudden it goes from OU to Georgia like that. Yeah. I mean, you just never can discount well, and, what those and, little and, visits can do. And you also have to put into perspective the fact of it's being AM specifically, too, um, with a lot of the guys they have committed. Because look, if Jimbo goes out and has a six and six year or whatever, if he doesn't have a really, in my opinion, a hell of a year this year, yeah. I don't see how he stays employed. Right. Like, I mean, even if they go seven and six or whatever, I don't see how that's going to be good enough for the amount of money that the AM, uh, you know, boosters and alumni and all that have been dumping into that program. The expectation for him is national championship or SEC championships, and he's not even getting close to that. He's scratching for winning seasons. So right. you want to set yourself up in position that if it starts going off the rails, you can you can pick up the guys that you're you don't you know that you're going to be set yourself up in a good position to get some of those guys. So yeah. um and look like <laughs> he most likely is an offensive recruit for them as well. Um you know, and I'm sure Jimbo's feeding him right now. Hey, we bought it. We brought in Bobby Petrino to change our offense, and it's going to be this, and it's going to be that, and it's A&M, and it's the SEC. Well, if that offense looks like trash like it has the last two or three years under Jimbo, well, again, like, does that, does that, do you take notice of that? And again, he's getting to see the quarterback this weekend that's going to be his quarterback, right? Jackson Arnold is going to be, whereas, the, the kid that plays for AM right now is a sophomore. So by next year, that's probably could be his last year and he's out of there and gone. You don't know what's behind that. So there's just a lot of things within this weekend, right? That that could be big. Not only that, but you have David Stone in the boat now. So you can say, hey, we just brought him in. We got Nigel Smith on the way. I mean, like 
there's just a lot that's cooking in there. Well, and there's that I'm just I'm not gonna say that a that OU has zero chance here. I'm gonna say they're trailing, but they definitely don't have a zero chance here. And I can't I can't think of the name of everybody that like, but you know, um, I mean, even after the season, when you look at what Lebby has done with quarterbacks, I would argue yeah. he's done more with quarterbacks than has been done under Jimbo. Right, 100%. because like what because what Jimbo has Jamison or J- Jamison Jameis, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and then he has Kellen Mond. That's his two guys that he could try to try to make some selling point of like I know what to do with QBs, even though yep. he used to be touted as Mister QB Whisperer, right? And I would argue that Levy's done more that you know like he's he's been able to he may not have a Heisman uh, winner or whatever under in his resume. But it's like he's also had more quarterbacks that have had high levels of success and even been able to go and, you know, have uh, careers in the pros and all those sorts of things. So it's like I I just don't see him being a guy that's going to be able to keep selling for long that I'm this like I will have a good QB. Right. Like, yeah. as much as we all want to hate on Lincoln and stuff, um, when you look at Lincoln, it's like he can sell, like, even though I know everybody's going to be mad about him selling all the Oklahoma products that he had. It's like he can't sell look like and develop quarterbacks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Jimbo yeah. can't do that. So anyway. Nope. Yeah. 100%. 100%. So uh, look, great weekend. Great weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. The only other negative I would give very quickly and we'll just make everybody mad because I, I was not in Norman for the game. But for all the griping and complaining of no tailgating allowed on Lindsay Street and for literally to have three people text me the day of the game and say it is a ghost town in Norman, Oklahoma is a travesty. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not, I've never been a tailgater because my family didn't do it. But for all these people that say that tailgating needs to be that, then you have to show up and do it. You have to show up and make it what it is. And, and, and in the defense, it was, I don't, I don't know how hot it was. Obviously it wasn't, I was in hot. Florida. It was stupid hot and all that, but yeah. So I, I am interested to see. But again, you look at the SEC country, and it was all the at least all the shots I saw of the SEC stadiums had a ton of tailgaters. So that is something that we have to work on. But um, but yeah, and and hey, we'll we're gonna be there this weekend. We're gonna be at SEC. Yes. So live um, updating in stadium, looking at which. By the way, a quick shout out to a former Sooner, one and only Corey Roberson, who has been on the pod with us before. Matter of fact, twice. Right, we had Corey on and. Um, he had a pick. What I called, I texted him and said, "Bro, you had the thick pick six on the week." Homeboy gets through the line, tips the ball, catches it, and runs it in for the pick six himself. I mean, it was a heck of a. Which, play, we're, so. I, I think we're you know we're cheering for him, even if he hadn't been on the pod. I think it's you know like I, I great guy. Uh, yeah, great, great guy. Family. So I mean, I may not be cheering for him as hard this week, but you know what I mean. Outside of that, oh, I'll I, be cheering for him. Absolutely. I said, hey, rack you up some stats while we still beat you by 30. That's the plan for the weekends. What I what I text him, what I sent him, but be cool to see him in town this weekend. Now, Jared, you you have brought up an idea for us, right? Okay. You, you have brought up an idea for a segment. Uh, hit us up with this and kick us off on it as well. Why don't you? So there was it was obviously it was week one. I feel like this week one was like really crazy. Like there was more stuff happening like you had the incredible hype around the TCU Colorado game which actually delivered um yeah. you know you had uh there was a lot of like there was actually like a lot of bigger matchups there was a lot of upsets um i guess unfortunately for us this year a lot in the Big 12 um yeah. but um yeah like it was just a crazy week but there was a lot of like 
media worthy things around college football this week. And uh, so I was like, you know, let's let's come up with a cringe thing of the week and then we'll come up with like a legit thing of the week. So I'll, I'll kick us off with my cringe thing of the week because I want to go Brian Kelly because um, I watched <laughs> that game yesterday, watched some of his post game clips. Dude, I just like, okay, the, the guy's a jerk. I don't know that anybody's going to even argue. I don't even think LSU fans or Notre Dame fans or anybody's going to argue that. But, like, here's my thing. Here's my – and I, I don't want to go on a rant too much because I just really don't like the guy. And this is what I said when I did my <laughs> pick is because I said I didn't think that he was going to be able to build a culture like um, like, like somebody like even uh, – uh, oh, what's Norvell is going to be able to do at – uh, Florida State, right? Or mm-hmm. you know, I don't think he's a culture builder. I think he can recruit his butt off, but I don't know that he can build a culture. And I think part of the reason is even when he tried to take some of the blame, I felt like like he came out. And so first of all, they interviewed him and they were like, you know, what do you think of like what? And he said, well, I think of execution. I think we should just line up all of our players and just execute them. And I was like, who says that for one? Uh, and then two in the post game in the actual press conference, he came out and said, um, well, we just thought that we were the two time national championship Georgia Bulldogs. And, uh, you know, like we would just do what we wanted to do and blah, blah. And I was like, okay, like one, like I get what you're trying to say to some degree, but it's like, it always felt like when he would try to take some of the blame, like when he would say like, oh, well, it's my fault, but the players didn't, you know, they thought they were too good or, yeah. You know, it's my fault, but the players didn't execute the game plan. It was like, it was always like, it always feels like he only partially owns it. I'm not saying that he can't blame players, right? Like, that's fine. But it's like, it never feels like I've never seen him. And maybe somebody, you know, from Notre Dame fans or whatever will say, oh, he did this all the time or whatever. But it's like, he just never has owned it. So I just like, was like really cringe that he just keeps. I don't understand. That's one, one thing that I'll give him. Like, here's the bonus. And this is the end of my rant. He must be the best recruiter in the nation for him to like slam his players as much as he does and throw them under the bus and be so negative about and them every time them. there's adversity and still lay in top recruits. I don't understand it. I don't know how those <laughs> players like him. I don't know how anybody likes him. So there's my there's my cringe. What's your cringe of the week, though? Oh man. I uh I'm really not sure. Um no, yeah, I think the cringe of the week was TCU losing to that Colorado team. I think that that really was my most cringe moment of the week. I mean, you can count look, man, that huh? I couldn't think of anything else. Uh, I could. Uh, the only other thing I could think of cringe wise, oh, what made me cringe in the week? Uh, I mean, like, no, uh, like my my. Well, I was just going to say, like, the the cringe thing, well, the why I don't think that's necessarily so cringe is, like, when you look at it, they do have Travis Hunter, who was the number one recruit in the nation, yeah. what, two years right. ago. That's, that's true. Um, that's true. Deion's son was actually, I think, fairly highly rated. Um, he, So it's like yeah, they, they like have... They, guy. Yeah, but, I mean, they did have some athletes, and TCU was, like, nobody knew. I don't think anybody knew what TCU was going to be, right? So... In a way, it's like I, like while while it isn't like I wouldn't say it's not a shock. It's also kind of not that big of a shock. So anyway, but go ahead. So okay, all right. Well, then how about Baylor? Does that make you more happy that Baylor got yeah. run off the field in week one? Like did Dave? Did Dave? Dude, Aranda, I don't understand it. I think Dave Aranda's a really good coach. 
Yeah. But we've talked about that Lord. for we've talked about that ad nauseum that we thought he was the best coach in the Big 12, even. Yeah. And like, I'm sorry, like at this point, I'm kind of on the 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 side now of please keep losing games and Brent hire Dave Aranda as a as an analyst. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I I don't know what's going on there. And I mean, it's cringe all the way down because I believe they're still playing a quarterback that Dave Aranda chose to keep while he sent another guy away who has at least bounced around on some practice squads in the NFL. And you've gone with a guy who can't do anything like I, I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on at Baylor for them to be. I mean, not just getting beat, but getting drummed off the field. I think, well, and the other thing is the, another cringe one for the big 12 Texas Tech, man, those fans got humbled real quick because Big 12 yeah, or but, Texas Tech but fans. But let's not were, pretend like Wyoming's not a good football pro. You know what I mean? No, like for, yeah, they, for its level. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But it's for the for the fan base that I've heard and seen on Twitter that we're going to yes. run the Big 12 and we're going to win it yes. this year and we're going to keep running it from here on out. It's like, yeah, you didn't beat yeah. Wyoming. I yeah. mean, there's better again, teams in the Big 12 than, there, the, than Wyoming. So... Sure. On the road, they had a huge weather delay for several. I mean, there's a lot of things, right? It's but almost still, the opposite. Not- you remember that year that OU, they came to OU and there was a, because I was there, there was like a two hour rain delay. Yeah. And then, then they came out and the team just looked terrible and they ended up beating yes. OU by like a field goal. It was almost like that. Yeah. Just- yeah. Very similar scenario. But I mean, look, man, they were just out physically, uh, Texas Tech. I mean, it was just, yeah, it, it was a it was a weird scenario. So you know what? The cringe might just be the Big 12. At least, let me say it this way. The teams that everybody was propping up as the good teams in the Big 12 did not look great. Even Texas did not look great well, in their win. Like so I, poor I, so I would say the cringe was Texas as a whole. Or I mean let Big me, 12 as a whole. I know I know we would I'm sure we may get into this preview we or when we do our preview pod and all that, but I do want to say Texas's defense looked pretty legit. I did think their defensive line looked good. I did think the defense looked better. The offense just looked. I, it, it was really weird because Xavier Worthy made some crazy plays. Xavier Worthy's the best, probably the best receiver in in, in the Big Twelve. Maybe one of the top three or four in college oh, yeah. football. Um, yeah. he's really good, and he made some crazy plays. Um, so he's always going to be a threat, and it's like I Quinn Overs just didn't get going very quickly. No. Um, so you know there was other O line didn't that. look great. Yeah, the O line kind of got bullied a little bit, a couple of plays. So, um, and you're playing Rice, so, um, so yeah, and I saw some Texas fans melting down about that. But anyway, but yeah, there's so there's a lot of cringe. The Big Twelve as a whole did not look great. Um, that's what's funny is I actually saw that reminds me I saw an ESPN article that was. Uh, it was like the two early predictions or overreactions from week one, and it's going to be OU versus UCF for the Big 12 title because they were the only two teams that looked dominant in their wins, which, by the way, I guess another a, a sub-cringe. Did you see what UCF tweeted during their game when they were playing Kent State? No. Oh, it got deleted, but they posted a picture of their QB on the phone, like talking to the booth or whatever, and it said, somebody please call the National Guard. It, it's Kent State, which is where in the sixties, I think it was, there was the national guard. And so they deleted it. And I was like, bro, like you, like you can't during that game. You can't, you can't, I'm sorry. 
Um, yeah, that's but that's yeah, bad but decision. it's it's gonna be my cringe for the rest of the year might be UCF fans until they hopefully get humbled because good God, <laughs> I live in Orlando for yeah. people that don't know, and it is their fan base is as they're they're I may dislike them or interacting with them more than I dislike interacting with OSU and Texas fans combined maybe. Nice. Um, yes. So anyway, but. Um, the what legit, about your most legit? Yeah, what was your most legit of the week? I, I think I might steal yours. I think I might steal yours because you're the one that sent it to me. I didn't even see it until you sent it to me. The Jackson Arnold t-shirt. Oh, the, yeah. the, his His 2007 Big 12 where it was OU, where OU beat Missouri. And yes. it was a little bit of a, like a very little tip of the cap to uh, Williams Nowary yes. to say, we want you, we're better than that. Um, so it was like, cause I saw some people like, it was really funny. Cause I saw it after you sent it to me, I saw some other people tweeting about it. They're like, I don't get it. And it's like, it's a very subtle thing and it's very specifically aimed. So yes, but yes, especially it was, when uh, you consider that Jackson Arnold was like, what, like four years old or three years old when that game happened. Like if you do the math, like it's something yeah. dumb, like this isn't some shirt that he got when he was 12. And he's been wearing around. That shirt is so old. Like he purposely went and found a OU versus Missouri Big Twelve Championship game shirt. He probably had to spend. You think about it, it's like when you buy stuff like that. A lot of times you have to spend like four times the cost of what it was new to get something that's that old. Uh, But yeah, it was that was really good. And uh, and and also just the fact. And those I was like, I actually feel like. I mean, we haven't got to see a lot of his interviews and stuff. I guess as a whole, and it's it's still early in his career. He just seems to be glad to be in Oklahoma, like to be at Oklahoma. Like he, you know, his yes. his touchdown celebration on his run was him doing, you know, oh, you and you know what I mean? It's like a lot of guys would have been doing other stuff. And it's like he seemed very happy to rep OU. So and that's what yeah. he said in his interviews when after he committed and all that. So mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so that just legit that he's still as a guy on the roster, still recruiting, helping recruit and saying, look, we're we want you Williams Nowary. So anyways, what's your yeah. legit thing? Uh, how about this? I am going to go with Coach Norvell of Florida State because this is a dude that got nearly run out of town like two seasons ago. They were asking for him to be lynched. Dude, not only did he have his team ready to play, he had a team that came out the second half and just played great, kept his cool, made some incredible calls, man. They had a fourth down in like two in the second half, on their own side of the field, he goes for it. I mean, just a ballsy call, and he dials it up perfect for like a 40-yard gain. I mean, just some really great things in that game. But I look, man, like we say this all the time on here. While we are going to be critical of players and coaches that do bad jobs, right, we are not rooting against these people. Like we no. understand these are human beings that this is their job, this is what they want to do with their life, and unfortunately, it's on display for all of us to watch and critique, and we don't put any sweat, blood, or tears into that effort, right? And so when you see a guy that literally had to go everywhere in Tallahassee for the last year and a half of everybody saying, we wish you were gone, like we wish that you didn't have a job, and for him to come out on national television and just whip and I'm talking had a team straight out physical, an SEC opponent, and especially against a guy who I just don't like as a human being and Brian Kelly was chef's kiss. Like, I mean, just 
Chef. Well, and Norvell, yes, it, and Norvell just seems like a good dude, right? Like it's hard to root against yeah. him. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's funny because you know I I will even give a shout out to the FSU fans when I because I, I went to the bowl game OU versus FSU this last year at the at, yeah, bowl, yeah. at the at the at the Camping World Bowl and um, which is where they played again and um, the fans were incredibly nice, incredibly humble, incredibly you know. I said, as far as like going into a hostile environment, because that's a home game, right? Like that's right. if you're playing in Orlando, that's a home game. I was, yeah. it, I even told somebody, I said, it was probably, if I'm being generous, 90% FSU fans and 10% OU fans. And, right. you know, and I said, they were very kind. They're very, you know, welcoming. I said, like, so the fan base alone is also was very, very um, uh, welcoming and stuff. And like I said, and just like I said, his, he's a guy, that's what I said in my, my prediction was, He's a guy that can build culture. He's a guy that can build uh, yeah. a positive attitude. He and I and I honestly think, you know, we talked and I even said this too. I think that he's finally getting to where he's cleared out all that bad and that negative culture that Jimbo left behind because I think Jimbo builds a toxic culture. I think he's that guy that can he can have success for a year or two and then it deteriorates because yeah. his long-term culture is terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I could see that, but I mean, I just like that, man. We're just such in an era of you get two years, right, to turn an entire program around. If you don't, you're gone, right? Like you just get kicked to the curb and it just doesn't work that way, man. Like even the places that have done that are places that are blue bloods that are already loaded with talent and you've just managed to have the right pieces to to flip around, right? Like Bob doing that with OU back in the 2000, Urban, Urban Meyer always lands like right out of Florida. He lands out of Ohio State. Like he lands at these places where, of course, you can turn it around with that kind of talent and recruiting right. base and whatnot. And I mean, FSU to some degree is that as well. But again, he you're fighting, they allowed you're him fighting. to have the time and he got there. Well, and you're fighting, you're, it's a fertile recruiting ground where you're fighting Miami, you're fighting Florida, you're fighting yes. Georgia, you're fighting Alabama. You, there's Florida is very rich in oh. football down here but it is there's so many teams trying to pillage it and also i want to yeah. give a real quick bonus as a cringe and a uh, legit oh, no. the cringe was the florida player who before the utah game tweeted out here he put it on instagram i believe and as a picture it said little stadium so i, I believe obviously but yep. after the game the utah player put little dub so little wow. dub. So like basically threw it right back in his face. Um, and honestly, like I, yeah, it was just one of those arrogant things that gets thrown in your face. It's like, dude, like you, you got rocked. And the fact that Utah basically just dominated them. Um, yeah. You Florida. Woo, talk about somebody that's going to be on a hot seat. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and again, two teams that just got out physical by honestly what we would consider not good football conferences, right? Yeah. And then South Carolina getting beat by North Carolina, which again, I think South Carolina still has a ways to go before it's rebuilt, right? I think Beamer's going to do a good job. But again, out physical, outfit by the ACC in two games. You got the Pac-12 out physicaling a, a yeah, top Cal, tier, what's considered. I mean. Cal looked good. I mean, Stanford looked good. Like there was a lot of, there's really the Pac-12. I mean, it's again, week one. But they Early, looked better yeah. than I think we thought they were, they were going to yeah. look. So good week, fun time. So we'll keep coming back to legit cringe every uh, you know every once in a while, trying to kind of 
pull some fun stuff out for you guys within that. Um, and I definitely need to keep marking down some of my other brother Daryl's. We haven't done it in a while. Got to get it. Got to get it got, going back. But that's our review. And so, again, please comment, like, subscribe. Uh, let us know if you agree, disagree, all the different things. Um, you know, we would love for you to do that. So we're having a great time. We hope you are, too. I'm Daryl. That's Jared. And we will talk to you guys later. Night, Baker. Ball. And you can unhitch the wagon. Put the ponies in the ball.